Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Mad Podcast, the mental awareness discussion brought to you by Broken Drift Productions and Banana Bros. Yes, these guys right here with the cool mugs and the things and the shirts that I'm always wearing, but not today because it's a comedy day kind of day. Uh, make sure you follow them at Broken Drift Productions on all social media at AZ Banana Bros. You can get cool mugs, all that fun stuff, and follow us also on YouTube and all that fun stuff because we uh, have all kinds of cool shows in there. There's cooking with comedians. Uh, what's the dating show called? Here? Too many first too many dates, right? First dates. Too many first yeah. dates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the Broken Drift girls are always having cool conversations on there as well. Mary's in a shark suit half the time. It's a lot of fun. Definitely go subscribe. <laughs> to the Broken Drift YouTube channel. So uh, I am Miles Weber. I'm the host of the podcast. With me always is my partner in life and in this podcast, Heather Weber, my wife. Hello, dear. How are you? Good. Very pregnant. Super pregnant. She's super (laughs) pregnant. That's why she's laying in the bed upright. She's super pregnant. Uh, So she's in the most comfortable position. If you're just listening to this right now, she's just comfortably lying in bed. So yes, she's going to be with us though the whole time. And we have our friend from Canada, comedian Susan Thompson. Susan, how are you doing today? Good. How are you guys? We're awesome. We're fantastic. We're going to be talking uh, about borderline personality disorder with mental health professional Kalia Hawkins. Kalia, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Right on. Thank Hello. you so much for all right. Thank you so much for coming back on. We had such a great conversation uh, last time we talked to you. Uh, and so we're yeah. probably going to be getting into more of that today. Because I mean, we've talked about what did we talk about bipolar, right? Or uh, last time anxiety, anxiety, that's right. Anxiety disorder. We talked about anxiety and so. life things and life things, which is what we do. I mean, we talked about life things before the podcast started. So I mean, that's just what we do here. We're very open and honest, candid. Um, so yes, uh, as far as like borderline personality disorder, if there was a person who was like, what that, isn't that that thing Pete Davidson has? That's usually the only thing that <laughs> people can associate borderline personality disorder. Cause he is the most, uh, I think famous person who has been open about having it. So if a person didn't know what that was, what is it? Um, so I don't like y'all know by now, I don't like using all of the like therapy jargon because Mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense. Right. Mm -hmm. I get confused and I'm a mental health professional. So the way I think of it is borderline personality disorder is really talking about someone who experiences really high highs. And on the flip side, they experience really low lows. This looks like what we call mania and depression basically. Um, In order to be diagnosed with bipolar one disorder, you have to have experienced mania for about a week. This mania looks like um, somebody who's just in like a state of euphoria, maybe. um, And then they're doing odd things, right? So like, they may have a grandiose belief that they're going to feed debate I was just listening to something actually and it said like they may have a belief that they're going to feed the babies in Africa with all the chocolate in the world so they go to the store and buy all of the Hershey bars that they can find and they start on the process of sending this stuff to Africa but it's not it's obviously not a thing um that would be things of mania where they're experiencing this high that that isn't really grounded in anything. Um, It just kind of shows up all of a sudden. And you can see behaviors leading up to it. Um, They, one of the 
biggest things is big purchases. People start buying this and buying that. That's one of the more common things that you see. Um, hypersexuality can be another one. When I was in grad school, I remember this story. One of my professors told us about, he had a client who had bipolar one disorder. And whenever she would go into mania, she would wear these red, uh, like red long satin gloves. And she would wear this bright red lipstick and it would never be like put on perfectly. It would always be just a little off. So you could tell something was off. Um, and she would go to bars and pick up people and things like that because she had like this overwhelming sense of confidence and um, hypersexuality and stuff. So things like that are what constitute um, the mania. And then with the depression, um, you know, people experience depression for all sorts of reasons, um, but with bipolar one, it usually isn't necessarily triggered by anything. It kind of just comes on and, um, and it shows up as depression. But in order to be bipolar, there has to be the flip of the mania. And this happens over the course of weeks to months. Um, it's not like you're depressed and then you're just always depressed because then that would be major depressive disorder for sure yeah. that's the gist of it fair enough and what is the difference because that's bipolar what is the difference between borderline and bipolar are the with borderline are those manic depressive episodes shorter and more closer together i'm not as well versed in borderline personality disorder so um i can't answer that off the top of my head so important to also note i don't memorize all of these things for sure um i go to the dsm fairly often because i have clients who present one way but are diagnosed with another and i don't remember everything um so i can't say exactly i don't remember what the difference is off the top of my head i don't work with um, borderline as much um, I did have actually my very, I think I mentioned last time too, my very first client had been diagnosed with borderline. My first client out of grad school For sure. um, was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. And there was, um, there was not really any mania that was involved. There was, and not as much grandiose thinking um, as much as there were interpersonal issues, you know, building relationships were more difficult for that person because they didn't have the boundaries. Um, they went into depression often and stuff like that. And their relationships were mostly transactional as well. Like you do this for me, I do this for you, and this is how it goes. Um, so setting boundaries were really important and they were um, thrived off of like manipulating you into believing what they believe or doing whatever they wanted you to do, um, which reminds me also a little bit of narcissism, but there are distinctions between all of them, even though they have characteristics of each of them. I don't know if that makes sense, but. No. Well, I know with, with borderline, I've also heard that people have more of a fear of abandonment with borderline yeah. personality disorder. Yeah, one of the professors, one of the main things I remember um, from my training in graduate school and in my traineeship, um, to just to get you thinking about borderline when you're with clients, right? It was the, the I hate you, don't leave me. You know, you're, you're this, you're that, you're trash, you're all of this. No one's going to love you like I love you, blah, 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 blah. But like, don't leave because I need you. Um, and it, it was that kind of behavior, like that push pull 
back and forth. Um, but that's what I that's what I remember of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's 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 always a fascinating thing because I think we see that played out in a lot of relationships, like around people, right? Like that that yes. yeah, that juxtaposition of like the the uh, acting aggressively as a means what to we call keep toxic. somebody right yeah exactly acting super toxic in all those ways but as a means to keep somebody around it's just like so how you're yeah. presenting this right now is supposed to keep me here because that's what you're you're acting angry out of desperation and it's just like yeah man yeah. like i feel like i'm glad now as society we're starting to see more people just be like oh go to therapy i'm not dealing with this absolutely not you need to talk to somebody like, like which is on. important because if you're in a relationship with somebody who's dealing with this and living with this, um, sometimes they're not even aware. So they don't know that this is something they're struggling with. So they don't know how to tell you how to deal with them properly. And then we feel bad because we don't want to abandon people who have been abandoned before. And this is how they got in the situation in the first place. So we start coping for them. And instead, what we should be doing is setting the boundaries because by, by feeding into it, you feed the diagnosis, you feed the issue, um, and they end up not getting better. And eventually, when you leave, it's either too late, you be, you've either been drained um, of, of just yourself, essentially. I, I dated somebody who dealt with narcissist issues. And by the end of that, I was no longer myself anymore. So you end up having things taken away from you. Um, and then that person never gets better and they do it to someone else as well mm -hmm. without getting the help that they need. What would you say is the best way if somebody's either in a relationship with somebody with borderline or knows somebody with borderline, how to maintain a relationship but still keep them at arm's length so it isn't draining them of everything again not being as well versed in borderline my initial advice just as somebody i know would just be that they have to set boundaries you can't be so focused on the other person's what you think is the other person's needs you have to really go inside and you probably should start seeing a therapist too because if you're caretaking for them you also may have issues um and start working on yourself but setting boundaries is the first the first thing like the client I had that had borderline personality I worked in residential treatment so I'm in an office in a home which means my clients have access to me at minimum eight hours a day except for the hour I'm on break. So seven hours a day at any given moment, a client can come in and talk to me. And the issue that we were bumping up against was this client was always pulling. It was a constant pull for attention, for um, services, just they needed to be um, um, paid attention to basically. And so I had to begin to set very clear, like this is your time. I. If, if you are coming to me with these particular issues, we have an allotted time for that. Everything else I can help you with because it's residential, right? So if you need to get into the laundry room, I can get you into the laundry room. If you need this, I can help you cook dinner. But if it's anything pertaining to these particular things for this client, uh, they often used suicide as a manipulator. Um, and so there, when when they felt like they weren't getting enough attention, all of a sudden now they're suicidal. 
And which is a hard one because I'm bound legally to deal with you now. Um, and they know that. So it forces my hand in a way. And so setting boundaries, even around the, even around something I'm being forced to do or I have to do um, was interesting too. Um, I don't wanna say I played around with that because I don't want anybody to think that I didn't do my job and take care of it and, and talk with the client and call the police as needed. I did all of those things, but setting boundaries around being very clear about this is what is about to happen because you know I don't know what they had in mind but this is what I'm going to do and this is how it's going to be laid out um, because I am in charge of what I'm going to do not you you don't control what I'm going to do um, and it was difficult that client cycled through those issues um, and that type of behavior there were moments where they went outside and were like just screaming and screaming and um you know I'm, I'm still an amft so i still haven't been um licensed to practice on my own but um so i was still learning my style as a therapist as well and so i did explore um kind of like you know when your kid has a tantrum and you kind of like ignore it for a little bit because if i give them attention they're just gonna like amp it up or whatever. So I did kind of do some stuff like that where like the first five minutes of them standing outside, okay, you're standing outside and you're having a moment, I'll give you your moment. Um, and there were moments where it amped up again and then I decided to go and deal. But um, it was, it can be very difficult setting boundaries but that's one of the main things um, that, you're trained to do is to set boundaries and talk therapy because it comes from a lot of trauma. Yeah. And it comes from neglect and it comes from abandonment and not understanding social relationships, not understanding that the person who abandoned you had their own issues and it wasn't you. So you learn this way to operate in the world. Um, and it's important to talk about those things. Um, with bipolar disorder and some of these other more personality disorders um medication can also become very important as well mm -hmm. i know last time i talked about like ah, i'm not really for the medication but there are times where you can't you can't process what's happening to you if you're in crisis and so the first oh. thing we have to do is kind of get you out of crisis which is where i do believe that medication can be very helpful because we have to de-escalate um, and then we can been work we can begin working on whatever trauma happened and that's that may even be a lifetime worth of work yeah yeah absolutely going back to what you were saying about how they can use suicide as kind of leverage what is i guess as a friend or knowing somebody who's discussing uh, the possibility of suicide what can you do as a friend like because I know there's a lot of legalities on well if they're not admitting to it then they can't actually like get put in or anything like that so right it's very sticky it is sticky um one of the things I choose to believe I'm gonna say it that way I choose to believe is if someone is talking to me about suicide they don't want to commit suicide they want help. They want somebody to care. They want somebody to reach out. Now that doesn't mean that they may not may not go through with it. 
but it does mean that they there is still a it it's this big but there's still a piece of hope there is still something that can be done um because you know, again, I hate to say thinking about a kid, but when kids do things, you think about this, right? When they're determined, they just do it. They're not going to sit here and say, well, I want to do that. They're just going to do whatever it is that they have their mindset on. And it's the same way when someone is actively suicidal, um, often they won't talk about it with people. It's just, they have made their mind up. Um, you know, you start noticing behaviors, um, people giving away things. You know, if you have a friend who randomly is giving away stuff, that can sometimes be a sign that they're preparing to leave. Um, they start taking care of stuff. I've heard of people who were going to commit suicide and and like adults, grown adults with kids and everything, and they started preparing, you know, um, taking insurance policies or setting up their will or things like that, making sure that things are taken care of because they don't want someone else to have to take care of it. That's their way of, of one last gesture to take care of everybody before I leave um, because they have set up that they're going to do this. If you have a friend who's talking about it, um, I would say take it seriously. And so you can provide them with tools um, a lot of the tools I talk about all the time, um, like journaling and getting their feelings out, suggesting that they go see a therapist and talk to them because, you know, as a friend, it's nice to have someone to talk to, but you're not a professional either. And you don't want to accidentally say something that sets them off and now they go do it. Um, and so you do, because the truth is that can also happen with a professional. We also could say something and not realize that that set a client off. Um, but you're not, you know, we're trained to also deal with that when it happens to us and we have to process that. And we have people that we talk to and therapists that we talk to when clients decide to go through with it. So my, my suggestion would really be to give them a hotline, you know, information, provide them with any resources you can of who they can really go to and express to them that, you know, it's not that you don't want to talk about it, but you can go through it with them. You know, I'll go with you and wait outside while you go to your session or, you know, something like that where you can still convey your support, um, but that you're not taking on the stress of what they're dealing with. It reminds me of, y'all remember that Lauren Hill song? Um, when she said, what is, oh, what does she say? I'm about to lose it. But basically, like every time she tries to leave, he says something to make her come back or he say he's going to hurt himself and stuff. And so it keeps pulling her back. And that's what you don't want to happen. You want to be able to separate yourself enough to where you're not taking on their issues. That's for anything, but yeah. <laughs> also with this. That makes sense. Oh, yeah, that's a, it's a lot. It's a lot to take it's a lot. on with yeah yeah i had a friend that i'm not friends with anymore because they were just very dead set on like eventually doing that at some point in their life and i it was like uh it, it was like everything that you were just talking about like hey here's the hotline here's this can i help you can i do that and it just was nope nope i'm just dead set this is what it is and all right well i just i, I can't really give you too much more of my energy because now i'm just now i'm resenting new experiences with you you yeah. know like so can i ask did that person ever go through with it no no they haven't they have not not yet but so, they I talk mean, about it they talk it's about it all the time 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very, very open thing about like, this is going to happen when something happens. And it's like, okay, well, can I have you committed? No, I'll just lie about it. Okay. Yeah, this isn't yeah. fun. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want you to do that. You know? I mean, I'd like you to get older and we can look back at how dumb we were in our twenties. Like, I mean, that's, that's always the better thing. So yeah, it's hard. It's, it's, it's a lot to, yeah. but at the end of the day, you really do have to, I think, protect your energy. If, yeah. if there's nothing you can do. Yeah. One of the, the things I often do when I'm talking with someone and we are talking about the topic of suicide too, is to um, not invalidate. It's really important to not invalidate what they're experiencing because that can also set them over because oh, sure. they already feel like the world has invalidated them. They don't matter. That That's a part of the whole, um, you know, I might as well take myself out. Um, and so what you want to do is validate like everything that you're saying is real and I hear you. Um, and some ways people invalidate um, is like if someone says to you, you know, I feel like no one loves me. Well, you can't sit there and say, no, everybody loves you. Well, that's not true. Everybody right. does yeah. not love them. And they know that and their experience of love may be different and they're not receiving that so to them no one loves them um and so validating that okay you feel and believe and know that no one loves you um and exploring that because if they're talking about suicide like I said they want the help and at our core another personal belief is at our core I think everyone just wants to be loved and accepted and the feeling of suicide is that those things haven't happened so much that it, they're ready to just be done with it. And I always advocate for coping skills, making sure that people have the tools to express these things, um, to express what they're feeling, even when it makes other people uncomfortable, because those feelings are uncomfortable for a lot of people to talk about. Um, and so you have to have the tools to be able to express them and get them out for sure for sure absolutely yeah it's it's and like you said the the validating of it so i mean i was we had many conversations over years that was like I, I hear you man like i mean let's explore that let's go into it this that, and the other but there were always like a wall and that's where it's just like, yeah maybe you should go see a therapist no no okay that would be my like, suggestion yeah, yeah. Like, all, that was always the thing i guess my yeah. question would be like it's one thing when you're already dealing with someone like, you know, maybe you've got friend or family members dealing with the stuff, but like, what are some stuff like got a friend or family member and you're like, Oh, that's how do you start looking for those red flags? Like, Oh, excuse me. Um, like sometimes it's almost too late. Like I, you're like, Oh, wow. Like hindsight can be 2020. Like, how do you start to notice patterns? You're like, exactly like Miles saying like, Hey, noticing some stuff, maybe it's time to start going seeing a therapist. Yeah, I think just making yourself aware of what the signs look like first. So doing some research, you know, if you have, a, and a lot of times this is very important that we don't always pay attention to that gut feeling or intuition that is real, you know, that is very, very real. And so if you have a gut feeling that something is afoot or you just had like a person walks by you and you kind of get that like, yeah. Hmm. Um, that is a sign to maybe engage them. And you don't have to engage with, hey, are you suicidal? 
Like you don't do that. No, like you don't want to throw them off. <laughs> but right, but so just become engaging. Be the friend that you think they may need. Reach out to them. If if you think about somebody, text them and let them know you thought of them. Um, and that and it can be as simple as that because the other thing is you don't want your relationship to be transactional. So you don't want it to be that I you hit this person up every time you need something. Um, if yeah. you want to convey that you really care about this person, a simple, hey, just thought about you, how you been? Heather does and that. And be done with it. And be done with it yeah. because that conveys that you care, you know? And Heather, Heather does it. It's like, it's, it's funny how something like that works. Like I've had a couple of times, like both of them are very aware of it. All of a sudden I'll get a message from Heather. I'm like, oh shit, like I needed that today. And you don't think about it. Yeah. And it's something so simple that you don't realize that that simple interaction could be the one thing that that person needed that day. So one study I had read at one point, so a personal story, one story I read um, said that college students can be some of the loneliest people, especially if they, I don't know if I mentioned that, if we talked about that last time, but I talk about it often. Um, and because they're gone away, they're away from family. It's hard making new friends. I mean, just a lot of loneliness happens. And on top of that, the stress of school, right? So I actually was, I went to school in Georgia and um, like 3000 miles away from home, which is what I wanted. I needed freedom and stuff. So I had a ball, but I had been experiencing um, a lot of social issues, like with friends or frenemies and and it really took a toll on me and um I realized like I hadn't even had a hug in weeks um mm -hmm. and I come from a family where my mother jumps in our bed in the morning and kisses us on our face and we're like oh my god mom. I mean to this day and we're like oh my god mom stop get off me <laughs> but I hadn't realized how accustomed I had become to that kind of love and so going three weeks without even a hug was like, I, I was on the verge of breaking down. I was walking home. I remember I was walking home and I was just like, this sucks. I hate it here. And all of a sudden my phone went off and it was, um, my older sister. Um, she's my god sister. My parents took care of her. But so my older sister, she called me and I was like, Hey, what's up? And she was like, Hey, how you doing? And I said, Oh, I'm good. What's up? She was like, I just wanted to call and tell you I love you. And I kid you not, I I stopped in my tracks and just started bawling because I hadn't, I mean, I had heard my parents say it because I talked to them, you know, fairly often, um, but I was exercising independence, right? So I hadn't called them in days and, you know, I'm just, I'm trying to be an adult. I'm like 19, trying to be an adult and stuff. And I hadn't heard those things from a friend up here. I hadn't been hugged. And when she said it, I just broke down. And you really don't know what people are experiencing or going through. And I really, really believe that if you think of someone, it is for a reason. And you should definitely reach out um, and say something and let them know. Well, I mean, I look at the jobs like Miles and I have and stuff, and you don't realize being on the road as much as you are, how much you're away. You're away from home. You're away from friends and family. You're performing for strangers. And Miles, you probably attest to this. Like when you go to a club or a venue and they take care of you in the green room. And sometimes it's just simple stuff 
just a simple gesture, exactly like you said, a simple phone call, a message, a text message, something that just says, hey, we've been thinking about you here. And I try to do that every now and then with people. But yeah, and it's funny how, um, especially with suicide, it's almost like, oh, I wish they would have reached out. Well, it comes down to the rest of the pack as well. Like humans, we're meant to work together. Yeah, And yeah. we almost need to reach out more to each other. And we're kind of going, we can prevent some of this. We're not going to prevent all of it, but we can definitely prevent some of it. And just learning how to be aware of, I'm amazed still that how many people don't understand or even want to acknowledge mental illness. How much better you know and pe- the truth is too people who need help can't they can't always reach out they don't feel no. safe enough to reach out to anybody so so one i don't even know who's safe to reach out to so i'm not going to reach out there's stigma that comes with it there's a lot of shame that comes with it especially if you're somebody who appears to have it all together which often is the case that it's somebody who seems like everything was perfectly fine so they're keeping up this facade that everything is okay and they're burnt out from it so it it makes it very difficult for them to feel as though they can reach out which is where you know and it sucks to say it this way but to some degree the responsibility like you said is on the pack you know if this person is in your pack you should be pouring into them fairly regularly um just as you would want people to pour into you and speak life into you as well absolutely yeah it's hard it's 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 rough it's rough because i feel like we just get so uh caught up in the busy work of life you know that we just we take put so much stress and energy into that and then yeah like you, three weeks you can go by without a hug you know what i mean like it could be so long without reaching out to somebody heather's the best in the world at reaching out to people like she's designates days where she's just oh. like just going through the friends list like hey we're just checking in seeing how you're doing haven't heard from you in a while just want to let you know i love you like and i've been getting trying to get better at doing it too and it really does make a difference with people like it really can do a lot for a person if we just find ways to reach out to more than like you said perfectly pouring into each other right like so i mean Mm -hmm. just like as much as you would love somebody to pour all that love into you pour it start start the chain man like get it going it's got to start somewhere i mean so and you'd be surprised how it comes back to you as well um i definitely believe in energy and that you get what you put out and you know people see that you're operating this way you will get it back and you will be fed as well um another thing i was listening to um they were telling a story about a boy in high school who this guy two kids in high school one of them was cleaning out their locker so the other boy saw the other guy cleaning out his locker and he dropped all of his books and you know the guy randomly was like oh like let me help this kid with his books and he like picks up the guy's books and the kid looked at him with this like desperation and was like thank you and the guy was like you're welcome like no big deal and it wasn't until four years later they ended up becoming friends so long story short they became like best friends that kid was like captain of the football team, the one that was cleaning out his locker. He ends up being captain of the football team and super popular and all kinds of stuff. And he ends up being valedictorian of their class. So three and a half, four years later, he's giving his uh, commencement speech and he discloses to everyone in the speech that that day that he was cleaning out his locker, he was cleaning out his locker because he was going to commit suicide. 
And um, that goes back to what I was saying before, like there are things that start happening, people start making preparations. So he was cleaning out his locker because he didn't want his parents to have to go on campus and do it. And, um, and he dropped all those books and the guy came and talked to him and said, here you go. And he said, thank you. And he said that that saved my life because I had no hope that um, anybody cared about me. And then this guy comes and helps me and it changed you know, obviously it doesn't change everything like in an instant, but it changed enough to where he had decided he wasn't going to commit suicide. And then they ended up growing a friendship, which kept him grounded and began to show him that things can change yeah. and I mean, provide him with more hope. Yeah. Wow. Your, your kindness can buy anybody just one more day. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that's what it like, like you, like you said, it, it wasn't like everything changed in an instant. But it was definitely a first step in the right direction after so many wrong direction steps have been taken. Yeah. So, I mean, being able to go, okay, yeah, man, it's all good. Just your books. Like, no worries, man. So have a good day. Like, just doing that. All right, well, maybe I won't do it today. Maybe I'll do it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then tomorrow, maybe somebody else picks up the man. Hey, you know, I got you at the Starbucks or whatever. Don't even worry about it. Pay it forward. All right, maybe, maybe I'll kill myself Wednesday. You know what I mean? Yeah. So whatever kicks that never can further down the line, you never know. And then all of a sudden something life-changing does happen. And then I mean, yeah. oh, okay, well maybe, thank God I didn't do it then. So, I mean, that's the thing, like never discredit any random act of kindness that you feel com- like that compulsion to do and everything, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's very, very important to kind of bring it back around to just like, I feel like today we could just kind of call it like personality disorders as a whole. Cause I mean, I feel like I was gonna say is... we're not really talking about bipolar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, we were talking about we were, we were talking about borderline personality disorder today. So, um, oh. so, but yeah, we could just kind of because I mean, we kind of covered it with the relationships. We touched on narcissism a little bit in there as well, which we've been also trying to find uh, a therapist to talk about narcissistic personality disorder with us, um, because I know a lot about that because it's kind of like in my family and stuff like that. So, but. Um, with your when your client you were talking about who had borderline and there was a lot of that like kind of push pull and everything like that mm-hmm. and just you know there there definitely is a certain level of manipulation in order to try and keep that fear of abandonment at bay and everything to always seem in control did you feel like did you get a sense of remorse like i mean was there any remorse that was being felt because i know with narcissistic personality disorder there is none because that's just they don't have basic empathy at all and they're just like oh, whatever don't step in a bitch or what you know whatever the thing that just completely pushes it off or everything is your fault exactly. everything yeah. that happened yep. is your fault not me mm-hmm. yeah i did it one of those but um with borderline um there was remorse um but it is person to person Mm -hmm. the way the way that personality disorders show up there are those this is it this is the disorder and that doesn't change Mm -hmm. but there are these little intricacies um that are going to be unique person to person with that client that i had um they did display insight into their diagnosis. Now, this was also somebody who had been diagnosed for some time. They knew their diagnosis. Um, They were an avid reader, so they read up on it, which was another issue because they used a lot of um, intellectualizing 
to kind of um, get away from the feeling part and from talking about that um, to making it seem like we're on the same page kind of thing as well. Um, and, and you also have to be careful because some of the behaviors, um, I know I said there's the, like, I hate you, don't leave me, but there's also the flip side too of you are the best therapist I have ever had. And it's like, well, mm, I only graduated three weeks ago, so I'm probably not the best. Um, and, but it's you have to be careful about getting swept up in that kind of behavior as well, because then you go in with this kind of false confidence. You think you've got this bond with them. Um, and it's it's important to keep yourself in check as well. Um, so that particular client, there was insight and there was some remorse. Um for, for how they were doing. And there were attempts to manage and monitor their progress and their slips and, and how they were being with other people. Um, teaching them how to set boundaries as well was really important because they were a person that gave a lot. Um, and when it wasn't reciprocated, they had issues. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. If I so again, I don't like to use therapy words, and I use movie references and TV show references and all kind of stuff. And one of my favorite movies um, for borderline personality disorder was Gone Girl. You guys ever saw that with Ben Affleck? And I don't remember the girl's name. So his wife, um, she she ends up disappearing and everyone thinks that he killed her and in a plot twist you find out that um she created this whole plan to have him arrested and it all went back to he did something she didn't like i think he like quit his i want to say he quit his job or something like that and that wasn't the arrangement that they had and so she was upset and later on um you find out that she has mental health issues and she goes to the extreme um, of convincing everybody that he has killed her um, and you find out that she's not dead and that she did all this stuff and then she ends up coming back to him at the end of the movie um, she had planned to kill herself and you find that out and then she sees him on tv and then she creates another plan to come back and it's all about her manipulation of the entire situation um, to revolve around her. She gets a high from all the attention that her case is getting. Um, and you watch her move through and she ends up killing someone as well. Um, and so when I watched it, um, it was for a class and I had to diagnose it as bipolar, I'm sorry, borderline personality disorder. And it was a part of the whole manipulation that created the personality disorder. And in the childhood, it was the lack of the love and affection and things like that um having narcissist parents and stuff it reminds me of good a, movie i would say watch it it's a really good movie it reminds me also of side effects if you've seen that i loved it yeah 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 Such a good movie. Yeah. yeah these grandiose like wild mm -hmm. plans that are just so nonchalantly like of course that's what i did why wouldn't you do it <laughs> It's like, no, that's not how people are right. supposed to do things. Like, absolutely not. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's the, yeah, that's scary. Yeah, it is. Okay. 
Well, um, I think we're coming up on our time because we're going to do another one of these. But, uh, Kalia, we always appreciate you for coming on and, of and course. talking with us. And I think I got confused. I totally thought we were doing bipolar. It's totally fine. I think I think I referred to it in the messages. I had said uh, BPD, which people will know as bipolar disorder or borderline personality disorder. It so could have went either way. Yeah, it could have went either way. And so I know, right? We need better like clarifiers with all of it and everything you know, it's right? all good it is always a pleasure to talk with you guys though Absolutely. we got into thank you for everything just thank you being vulnerable about some deep stuff today so yeah i'm gonna have to go watch a disney movie <laughs> yes i tend to do you know what people my friends are always saying to me like you're such a big kid and you're all i love 90s sitcoms and i will watch them over and over and over and people ask like why why are you stuck there and I don't even think I'm stuck I think that after a day's work in this field and with these type of diagnoses and stuff I just come home and I want to laugh at something that's actually funny um and not to cope like I want to actually laugh yeah so I'll probably sit and do that for for a little bit yeah no I mean like I would not for nothing the the 2000s on like entertainment wise kind of sucked for the most part like i mean there's just yeah. there's only been a handful of movie franchises that were like oh yeah that was dope and then i would see yeah, yeah all the superheroes <laughs> rose up and took all the like entertainment goodies and so everything is superhero now and it's like superhero stuff and reality tv that's all you get but yeah. the 90s yeah, we it. had we had shit in the 90s we had like good there was stuff. there was good stuff that you could really good like stuff. genuinely lose yourself and it was very everything that was in the 90s was very 90s like yeah. so yeah everything today is trying to be like every other different generation that isn't today so i mean yeah the the 90s is definitely a generation of entertainment that you could fully lo lose yourself in yeah we're probably going to be watching some funny shit after today too uh highly recommend it find something you can get lost in and laugh everybody laughter is yes. the best medicine it's the quickest medicine um so thank you very much for being on the podcast we appreciate you always thank you all for watching and listening make sure you like subscribe and share all that fun stuff uh i you can find me at miles over joker on uh, all the social media platforms also follow the podcast which is ran by heather on instagram at mad podcast susan you're at susan thompson haha ha. make sure you give her a follow as well we will be back next week with more stuff so we'll talk to you next time bye everybody <laughs>